Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Behind the List podcast. I'm your host, Mary Scott, and today I am welcome. <laughs> I have my husband on the show. Hi, Daniel. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good. <laughs> How does it feel to be on Behind the List? Well, this is awesome, actually. I've been waiting to come on the show for a while now, so I'm glad I can be on it. Well, you and Thomas are both highly requested guests. Cool. Um, well, this is going to go live the week of Valentine's Day. So we thought it would be fun to give the listeners a little bit of a backstory on us. Do you want to take the reins and tell our story, or do you want me to? You too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I will. So, <clears throat> well, so this would have been our uh, sophomore, no, Summer in between freshman and sophomore summer, <clears throat> sophomore year of college. And uh, Mary Scott and I had both been going to New Spring Church at the time. She went to the Anderson campus. I was at school at the University of South Carolina, so I was in Columbia. And um, I guess the Lord just put it on our hearts to go to uh, Kenya for our mission trip. And I had always kind of wanted to go to Africa, and I guess Mary Scott did too. I know she had a bunch of friends going, and so... <laughs> We both signed up. I don't think I met you till the group actually officially met for the trip, right? That's true. He, um, I was there with a lot of my good friends, and there were only like three men on our whole trip. And you were the only guy our age. Yeah, so I was the only college-age guy. I think there were like eight or nine college-age girls, and there were a couple guys. They were just older. They were like mid-30s. Most of them, I, mean, I think a couple of them were married. But... <clears throat> It was just uh, kind of interesting from the get-go, and we actually um, flew, no, we drove to Atlanta, to Atlanta Airport from Anderson, South Carolina, and then uh, we got to the airport, and my first memory of Mary Scott uh, actually was, um, I remember we were talking, it was me and another friend, another girl I just met who was... um, I mean, I kind of became friends with everybody by the time it was over, but uh, some, what did she say? She said, um, oh, you're the only college-age guy or something along that lines, and I was like, yeah, I know, and Mary Scott kind of butted in out of nowhere and was (laughs) like, oh, you know you love it, and all this stuff, and I was like, yeah, well... That's kind of funny. I'm so I don't forward. Know, she, yeah, you was just kind of... I was very forward. Yeah, you were just um, kind of Making spunky. Yeah, kind of spunky. I just could tell you were fun from the get-go. So um, that happened, and then over the course of our 10 days or 12 days, however long it was in Kenya, um, we had kind of like had a couple interactions together. Like, I don't really remember. I was kind of friends well, with all the girls. he'll call it a couple interactions, but on the first time I'd ever looked at him. I was on a bus. This is super hyper-spiritual, I realize. But I looked back on the bus, and it's like I saw him, and I knew in that moment you were going to be my husband. I wrote it down, and I still have the journal. It's actually behind me. 
So I thought, oh my gosh, who is this person? And what you thought was just a normal girl you had a few interactions with. But I wrote it down. I said, I either saw a flash forward of the kind of person I want to marry or I'm going to marry him. And I literally wrote in my journal, oh gosh, Daniel's the standard and Jesus, please let this happen if it's your will or whatever. But you did not think about me like that at all on our trip. Well, you were, I don't know. Like, I knew you were fun, um, but there were also, like, eight or other girls on the trip. And at the time, I really wasn't looking for, like, actively going out searching. Um, I, so, I didn't really date any girls in high school or um, really before that. And so, um, I just kind of given it over to the Lord. I said, Lord, um, please just put the right woman in my life if that's your plan for me, and um, it's all in your hands. I'm not going to force anything, and I kind of gave it up. It was like earlier that year, just like, hey, I'm not going to worry about this. You know, the Lord will put the right person in my life if if he wants me to. So um, I had kind of given it up to the Lord at that point and wasn't really focused on searching. And I'm over here like, well, there's a Christian guy. My radar's on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was, I was honestly just having a good time being on the trip, but I remember one, uh, I've got one memory of Mary Scott that kind of is just like ingrained into my mind. (laughs) And that was our flight home. Uh, our flight home, I think it was like one of our last flights. Yeah. Coming back to America and Mary Scott and I were split between another person in our group who um, oh she was she was older and um, and everything and I remember that Mary Scott I think suggested that I should sit in the middle or something like that so I basically maneuvered the situation maneuvered or manipulated the situation so that I could sit next to Daniel because it was going to be a long flight yep and then <laughs> uh, so it was me next to Mary Scott and then somehow Mary Scott. And I started listening to her music together, which I didn't learn, uh, listen to a bunch of her music um, that she showed me, Christian worship music, of course. <laughs> and uh, so I'd never heard any of it. And I just had a good time hanging out with her. But one, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, she, uh, there was like a sunset and she like looked into my eyes, I could tell at one point, <laughs> And she said something along the lines of like, um... Like, you, do you want to keep listening or something like that? And I was like, she's like looking at me for a long time. I think, like, this girl's in love with me well, already. You, you, call, <laughs> you call those my love eyes because I still do that to this oh day. Oh my God, they're lingering. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know her that well. <laughs> um, and then after the trip, uh, we had just kind of become friends and we kind of started texting and then I asked her out on a date and well it was a very long process for you to get asked on a date you your mom likes to say your heart knew that you loved me but your head didn't know so it took you like three or four months to get the nerve to ask me on a date but what did you do before leading like leading up to asking me on a date you had done a few intentional things to make sure it was the right choice yes I uh, I'm really close to my brother. He's my only sibling. He's three years older than me, and so I had talked to him a lot about it. Uh, prior to this, I had actually gone on the Daniel fast, um, and that was 
like I said, like five, six months before this trip even started. And I've been doing a lot of praying. Um, and then when, you know, I met Mary Scott over the course of a couple months of just uh, talking back and forth, uh, consulted with uh, my parents who are pretty wise, talked to my brother mostly, and um, just came out to where I kind of uh, just decided to ask her out on a date. You mustered up the courage. Yeah. And then I, of course, threw him into the ringer because we had not even oh come on. Oh, I know. We hadn't even gone on a first date, and he came to Clemson for a weekend for Parents Weekend. Yeah, so it was a, um, there was like a cocktail dinner Mary Scott had, and I was in, I met Mary Scott's dad, actually, on our before first I date. took you out for our first date. Yeah. yeah. So that was... Not really high pressure, but we did go to a super fancy restaurant, and it was, yeah. It was scary. It, it wasn't scary. It was just a lot of pressure. not what I expected. Well, now you and my dad are besties, so it's fine. Yeah. You love Mark. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how we started dating, and the rest is sort of history. Yeah, I've dated for two years. I guess. Uh, I don't even know the times, but yeah, we, I think it was we, like, what, two and a half years before we actually got married from when we started we got engaged the may before senior year of college and yep. then we got married five days after college mm-hmm. which was a little cuckoo cachoo yep and then the rest is history it's been almost three years now yeah three years this may we've been married um what do you feel like has been the most interesting or most challenging thing about being married so far Okay, so um, first, so everybody knows, Mary Scott and I haven't talked about any of the questions, so this is going to be this is on the uh, real time. Yeah, <laughs> real time. So I'll say it one more time. So what am I learning? What do you feel like has been the hardest part about marriage so far? Hardest part of marriage. Mary Scott and I, we didn't we didn't get along on a lot of stuff dating, but ever since uh, we got married, things have been kind of. Easier. Yeah, easier in terms of like us conflict. Like we don't really conflict with each other on much. Like we have the same values, we have the same interests for the most part. And <clears throat> I mean, there'd be a little bit of stuff that we have to like talk about and work through. But um, I wouldn't say that that's like that's probably what I was expecting to be the hardest thing, and it actually turned out not to be. And I think a lot of that comes from we were just raised the same way mm-hmm. in our in our families. Um, but the hardest thing would probably be loving your spouse through their difficulties and struggles. Mm. And I would uh, agree with that. Yeah. And so, I you know, what, what's easier for one person isn't as easy for the other. And just encouraging with them, encouraging them, having patience and providing support and not getting frustrated well I think it's interesting Dana I will first of all something you said to me a few weeks ago because we were having a conflict (laughs) was for me to remember who the real enemy was and I think about this a lot because I mean obviously the greatest fear or the greatest issue that the enemy is going to have is when two people who love God come together in marriage and so I think I'm learning that it's important to remember who the real enemy is because at the end of the day, it's going to be disguised as you, like whatever it is. But for me to not take out 
my frustrations and my anger on you, but to really redirect them so that we remain stronger in marriage. But I would say we had to fight through a lot of really hard conversations before we got married that allowed us to be way more on the same page, which is, I think, really important. Um, But as you were saying, carrying one another's burdens is hard because your pain is going to be different than my pain. And if we had the same pain, we wouldn't be the same. We would be the same person. So what are some ways that you've learned to communicate with me about my struggles that you think are starting to maybe start working? (laughs) I think that uh, the there's a lot of power in the tone of your voice when communicating and and a lot of people it kind of comes up hey I didn't know how you meant this over text I don't know if you were um, you know disappointed in me or something like that and when it's just you talking directly to the other person face to face um, using your voice your tone matters a lot so uh, if you're frustrated inside, like sometimes I am, you know, frequently, not, not like a lot, like not super upset, but like sometimes I get frustrated, you know, and lots of times it's about the same thing and I may not feel like I'm being heard, but I think there's a lot of power in the tone of my voice. And so instead of raising it against you, which I feel like is the normal natural response, uh, I get through to you better through gently talking, communicating where I'm coming from, and finding common ground in that area. Mm-hmm. I would say that... And that's how I like to be loved, too. I was going to say, <laughs> that's something that's taken me probably three years to learn is how to communicate to you, because as a man, your main desire is to feel respect for me. But I can just be a little bit of a firecracker sometimes, And my words can be full of condemnation and shame and just anger when I'm trying to communicate to you. But I've found that when I just come close, when I speak to you like this, and I explain to you where I'm coming from rather than blowing up on you, you're like 110 times more receptive to my words. Yep. I agree. Um, Which I don't think, yeah, because we're not really fighting about something. And truly, you are always on my side. It's just at the end of the day, you want to be respected and I want to be loved. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you know how to communicate love to me and I learn to communicate respect to you, we end up being far, far better. Okay. One question that I've been getting some just from us specifically is how would you encourage a, a relationship in the military? And how would you suggest going into a deployment or reintegration process? Well, I don't feel like an expert in this area. Did you feel like our reintegration process after deployment was good, or what do you think we would have done differently? No, I think within two days we kind of picked up right where we left off. I think Um, it was harder on me than it was on you, probably. I had gotten really selfish and set in my uh, ways, and it took a little bit of just an adjustment for me to realign my priorities and taking care of another person again. But I think you probably had a fairly easy time reintegrating with me. Yeah. But what would you say to um, like couples who are entering into military life or entering into a season of marriage where they're separated a lot? I don't really feel like an expert on this. What do you think has helped us? I don't think what we really you... did anything different. Well, we already... Okay, this is an important backstory. We, we just, did, we did we... long distance yeah. all of dating, so we learned how to really yeah, effectively like, communicate. We had, we had gone two and a half, 
years of being apart in college and not seeing each other for two weeks, and that was normal. And the beginning and of our marriage, you were gone all the time. When we go to a point where we don't see each other for a month, it's like, okay, well, see this ya. feels like the same. Or, you know, eight months. Well, this feels like the same, but just a little bit longer. So I don't... We are... Our foundation was kind of built upon, um, as far as communication goes, on... Uh, like long distance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we had learned to really flex those muscles. But I would say if you aren't communicating effectively in person, you're probably not going to be com- could, blah, 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 communicating effectively not in person. So it's really like learning to just say everything you're feeling and communicating every inch. Because I would just, we would, I think we do a good job of this of just being like, no, tell me how you're really feeling because we don't have time to waste time on building up unmet expectations because we're not communicating effectively. Yeah, I agree. What's your favorite part about marriage? My favorite part about marriage is companionship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It is awesome going home every day and seeing somebody who um, you know and who knows everything about you and who loves you unconditionally and uh, is a great cook. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And who, uh, you know, on Saturdays, you know that typically you can spend time with them and go kind of develop some... uh, Rituals? Yeah, or what are they called? What are they called? What are they called? Traditions. Traditions. <laughs> traditions. So family traditions. Like lately, Mary Scott and I have been going to the farmer's market. Or... Drip coffee. Drip coffee. Or, you know, we just have our things that we like to do. And you always they have a may seem commonplace, but in the midst of a crazy world, and in the midst of <clears throat> lots of things always on my to-do list, it's nice to... Just be able to go back to something that, to someone who, um, you know, who's always there for you. I would say that's true. I think my favorite part is just making sure, or knowing that without a doubt, I always have a person. And there's really nothing, I can, I think the hardest lesson to learn in marriage and the saddest reality of marriage is just understanding that I am the one person in your life that has the power to lift you up the highest and bring you down the lowest, which is an amazing reality. But sometimes we take that for granted and we just treat our spouse like not as great as everyone else's in our life, just because we know you're always going to be there. And so I think just knowing in my heart of hearts that you kind of that agape love, like you know me entirely and yet you still choose me kind of thing is always a comfort. And that's probably my favorite part about marriage. It's also the most uh, eye-opening part about marriage. Yeah. So I've got a random question for you. Uh, What do you think um, I could be doing better? Oh. Well, I think this is something we could be doing better in our marriage. And that's just laying down our distractions. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm distracted? Yes. How do you feel most like I'm distracted? You are uh, always on your phone 
not necessarily on social media, but you're always on your phone and it's hard to get your attention sometimes mm -hmm. and to keep your attention for extended periods of time. And, uh, yeah, you're just kind of busy. I think that I would say the same is true for you. And that's why I think we're going to start implementing a drop a phone at the door routine in yeah, our house. That'll be definitely good. So I think, I think I'm going to look into getting like a little basket or something that we know we put all like electronics on. The problem and the benefit and problem of our relationship is that we're two high achieving people. So it's hard for us to lay down work texts or people who might need us or anything of that regard. And so it's just going to be a ton of self-discipline for us to decide to intentionally put down our phones so that we can, you know, spend time together and learn and talk about our days and feel like we're really with each other and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Honey, what advice would you have, or what advice would you give to someone who's trying to, or longs to be in a relationship with someone or wants to know how to develop themselves to be ready to be in a relationship with someone else? Wow, that's good. So, uh, I feel like I have this thing, this kind of mentality in my life, which is uh, whenever I feel like I'm going through something or going, you know, having a hard time, it could be anything in life, you know, life's full of struggles. And one thing that I've tried to do was even in the hard times, try to still be my best self. Mm -hmm. So and Daniel it's easy to get down and be like, oh, uh, you know, I'm having a hard week. I don't think I'm going to work out this week. I don't think I'm going to read my Bible this week. And mm. I don't think I'm going to really do anything this week because mm. I'm just feeling down. I don't think that's the right approach uh, because life's full of up and downs. And uh, during the ups, it can be great. And you can be, you know, try and be your best self and who the Lord wants you to be and try to be your healthiest self when it comes to uh, eating fitness, you know, it all encompasses Emotional the way, health. the way you treat yourself is a large factor on how you're going to feel day in and day out. So in the hard times, uh, and in the good times and the easy times, um, try to do whatever you can, uh, to be your best self and how, how, and I'll get to how this kind of like applies to dating in, in my mind, but, um, I've kind of got a list that I did for myself, which was, who does God, who do I want to be, and does that match up with who God wants me to be? And so you can have, you know, your goals on, I want to read my Bible this amount um, per week, um, prayer time, all that stuff. And... So that can be like your spiritual side and then you've got your fitness side and your health side in terms of eating and uh, relational side. Who, who do I want to be? Who, uh, when I have my wife talk about me, how is she going to talk about me in a way that um, is honoring or is it a way in, that she's complaining because she has a right to complain? Um, and so I want my wife to talk well of me around others because that would mean that, you know, I'm regularly doing a good job or somewhat doing a good job as a husband so I've got my goals I got them written out on a piece of paper and it's kind of like who does God want me to be and so in the hard times it's easy to stray away from that and just be who you want to be and sometimes that doesn't line up with what the Lord wants and so 
um, I would say to those people who are waiting to just continue to be your best self Mm -hmm. because you want to be your best self for your spouse. And when you let yourself go in spiritually, relationally, physically, all those ways, it's not attractive. Well, yeah, it's like, you know, what? Well, I heard someone say probably at church once that you want to be the person that you're trying to marry. Yeah. Right? Like that should be your standard for yourself. But it's not, it's not, it's, and I'm not hearing you say this, and I know that there are listeners and hearing you say this, but it's not saying, well, you better not, you know, stop working out or someone's not going to find you attractive. What you're saying is, is it, you can tell when someone cares about themselves, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually because they radiate confidence in their hearts and, you know, that just exudes out of them. And so that's an attractive quality that someone would see in them. And I would say also, from my perspective, I was like nowhere near where I needed to be on all three of those levels until you came into my life and you've made me like, you need to find someone who's going to sharpen you. It's like iron sharpens iron. You had to sharpen me in ways that I had to sharpen you in ways so that we became, I mean, I would say you're a completely different human than I started dating and I'm a way completely different human Mm -hmm. than the girl I was when we started dating because you and I have sharpened each other to be better versions of us. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and so that's what I would look for. Like, who's going to push me not only to the foot of the cross, but also into my most fullest self? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and- too. Another thing that I'm learning in any relationship, in in marriage specifically, right now, is to always assume the best and assume that you always have my best intention at heart. So, if you sit me down to talk about one of those three areas. It's not because of your selfish attitude about me. It's because you can see me and my future me with a lens that I can't see. And you want to speak life into that area. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it says in the Bible, while we're on the topic of fitness, that kind of thing, it says in the Bible that um, that spiritual training or physical training is of some value. This is in First Timothy, First Timothy 4, um, that... Physical training is of some value, but spiritual training has value in all things. Mm-hmm. Both, I think it says like both in this life and the life to come. I'm not saying that's an end-all be-all. I'm just saying that your health, your body's a temple and, you know, how we treat it matters. Yeah, and it matters. your spiritual training will affect... God. Yeah, those, the spiritual training will affect both the other parts of training in your life too. I think another thing I'm learning that would be helpful in looking for a future you know, relationship person, whether it's a spouse or a dating relationship, is that it's important to care and kind of deal with your internal baggage (laughs) before you bring it into another relationship. Whether that is, you know, going to counseling and trying to get healing from maybe some childhood woundings or some things that you're struggling with on a personal level, you're going to be such a gift to your future spouse if you are someone who's taking your emotional health to a place where you can add value to the other person without devaluing their life by draining them, by dealing with all this emotional baggage. And trust me, you're going to have enough stuff that you go through in marriage to not already be dealing with stuff. Like you need to be dealing with your stuff on a personal level before you bring it into your marriage because in marriage we have our own set of personal values or personal struggles that you and I are having to walk through together, much less personal stuff. You know? 
Well, this has been fun. Is there any other last minute things you want to say about just marriage and dating and our story? Yes. So I already asked you what you think I can do better. What's something that you like about me? Oh, this is good. Daniel, you are a true man of God. And that affects all you do. And I think it's really like I'm able to see it most when I talk. Well, hey, I can see it because, you know, I fell in love with you for a reason. But when I get to see other people like your soldiers or your coworkers talk about the way that you live and lead with integrity, I know that it stems from your relationship with Jesus. And I love the way that you just carry yourself and you're the most compassionate person. You have the biggest heart, almost to a fault sometimes. Um, and you just love and you care for others. And I know that without a doubt, you would lay down your life for me financially, physically, spiritually, like you do everything in the world to provide for me. And I say it all the time, but I would be in a ditch without you. No, you'd be fine. But what do you love okay. about me? Okay. So what I love about you is that I know that you're going to be the best mom because <laughs> you are so warm and kind and you um, just make others feel welcome and you create an inviting and loving and peaceful home. And so that is going to be awesome one day, we pray. And uh, along the same lines, you are going to be a strong mom because you've been through so much in your life and you have grown and are wise way be, way beyond your years and i cherish that and value that and you're very strong sometimes stronger than others may think that you are and that's very special and that's a great trait to have and you're strong because you devote yourself to the lord mm, thank you honey and that's where you get your strength from thank you it's powerful thank you honey Yes. I receive so, that. Yes, good. I receive it. I'm tapping my heart right now. I offer that willingly. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I've only listened, I'm, I don't know, I feel bad. I've only listened to like one or two of your podcasts. It's I need to, fine. I, need I tell to you about them in detail. Yeah, so I know at the end of it, because my mom, <laughs> my mom said like, what are your things? And she started listing off all her things. <laughs> So what are the things, girl? That I'm loving? Yeah. Okay, what am I loving right now? Um, well, I love this office that we're sitting in that you gave me. Yeah. Daniel graciously gave up an entire room in the house just for me to have an office. And so we're sitting in here today and it's very peaceful and I got my essential oils going with some stress away and some peppermint. So I'm loving that combo. I'm really loving the soup that I've been making for us recently. The that taste soup is amazing. Yeah, I need to link this in our show notes. It's the Tasty As Fit Glowing Lentil Soup. It's like your favorite meal, basically. Oh, yeah, it's my favorite meal, and it doesn't even have meat in It's it. actually vegan. Yeah, it's so good, and I'm loving that. Um, and I'm just really liking Columbia. I like that we've lived here. I like that we're living here. I've loved, you know, remodeling this house with you. I love... Um, that we're close, that we're getting plugged into our local church and we found our gym and we have our routine and we know where the coffee shop is that we like and we're just kind of settling in. So I just am liking the season we're in. Yeah. What are you loving today, honey? 
I am loving YouTube because uh, do-it-yourself <laughs> do videos. It's true. Tell so them I, about all the work you've done in our house. I've hung all the fans in the house. I've done a bunch of minor electrical work and various other things, painting, uh, it's just some spots around the house. So doing a lot there and learning along the way. Also, uh, I've been sleeping a lot. Which has been refreshing. Which is very uncommon for your schedule. Yeah, which is, yeah. So, lots of sleep and rejuvenation, relaxation, <laughs> and regeneration. Okay, yeah. okay. And, shoot, uh, I don't know. What else? Like, What food are you loving? Food. Are you reading a book right now that you enjoy? <laughs> you're leading there uh yeah so at the book thing reading a book called kingdom man which is a book that my brother kind of shared with me my dad had shared it with me a while ago but i just never got around to reading it and so far i love it it just kind of lays out what a uh, man of god is supposed to be for his family and in his community uh, aligned under the lord and kind of just what his responsibilities are and i think it's a great book that you should buy for um, your husband or, you know, Dating whoever's, yeah, yeah, in your life, or just something that you can point out to them that it's a good book. So it's called King Demand, and then food, shoot, whatever you make me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sourdough. Yeah, I, uh, oh, shoot, I got all the things, girl. All right, so, uh, homemade iced coffee, homemade sourdough, homemade. Milk. Milk. Homemade. Uh, what's the syrup called? Oh, elderberry, elderberry syrup. syrup. <laughs> homemade um, uh, pumpkin bread. Pumpkin bread. Homemade pumpkin ice. No, pumpkin. All the pumpkin things. All the all pump- oh, we made a pumpkin vegan cheesecake. Pumpkin vegan cheesecake. Yeah, we did. And um, all the food. Yeah, shoot. You got, I got a list of stuff that I want you to start. Basically, food is the way to Daniel's heart. And we're going to start making paleo donuts, so you'll have to follow along with that on Instagram. Well, do you have any final thoughts for our Behind the Bliss listeners? Yes, and that is that your words mean a lot, and they can tear down or build up. Mm. And I know that's hit on a lot, but that's I think what that's you and very I are both learning in a relationship. Yeah, that's what we're learning in our marriage right now. Oh, yes, and like you said... Limit the distractions and make what's important important. So mm-hmm. you have full control over that, and wow, uh, you know that's good. Honey. We live in a world of distractions more so than ever. That's right. Well, I yeah. love you. What are you looking forward to most in our marriage? I am most looking forward to babies. Babies. <laughs> <laughs> We're not yes. pregnant. Yeah, babies eventually, one day, and lots of snuggles, and <laughs> shoot, what, who have I become? I who have really, you turned me into? I really turned you into a cuddle bug. Before I met Mary Scott, I didn't drink coffee. I definitely didn't have the same wardrobe. Yeah. yeah you so didn't eat healthy. I think you've kind of like 
sculpted me into who you want me to be in a way. And before <laughs> you, I was a disorganized, non-goal-oriented person, and now I'm kind of a high achiever. No, you're always amazing. <laughs> okay, well, as always, honey, first of all, thank you for coming on our show today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, and you can find everything that Dana and I chatted today about on our show notes at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. And I hope that you guys enjoyed just getting to know us a little bit better, know our marriage a little bit better. Um, Daniel's really not on social media, but you can find all the things he does on my Instagram account, at Mary Scott Mercer. And um, yeah, maybe one day you'll have your own YouTube channel with a DIY about shiplap and electrical work and all the things. Okay. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week.